I'm excited, Jordan. What is that? I'm excited about the big, huge announcement that we got coming up. The listeners of this yes. program are not even going to be able to believe how fabulous this is. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting all week to reveal some of this. I got goosebumps. I can't wait. I can't wait until the listeners of this program, the Insurgents Podcast, hear about the amazing opportunity to get in on the ground floor of the first ever Insurgents Podcast NFT drop. Mm-hmm. Digital trading cards uh, of all your favorite Insurgents uh, hosts and peripheral you know, characters, mm-hmm. such as Ken Klippenstein right. as well. We got a big, got a couple of Ken. Some rare Kens. Some rare Kens. There's some of him, like he's outside the glass of the office trying to get in and he can't because <laughs> he's banned. Uh-huh. And you can get in on the ground floor, folks, $99. $99, which is barely, that's nothing. That's barely anything. Mm-hmm. You get, for, for that small price, a digital image, which you can then store on your computer. You can trade it with your friends. You can print it out on your printer at home and put it in a frame. No, no, no. no. You can't do that. That's illegal. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Do not do that. You misspoke. Rob misspoke. That's right. I misspoke. Do do not do that. That was a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a test. And if you started to go to the printer and check the settings, then you failed. And you're no longer allowed to purchase one of these. But otherwise, but, though, very excited about this opportunity. I can't wait. I think the art is fantastic. It's got, yeah. uh, you know, you in a, you're, you're in a cowboy outfit. Yep. I'm in an astronaut outfit. And I'm also looking like really buff. Uh, we got a construction worker. We got a cop. Uh huh. <laughs> a guy who's in culturally appropriated. Uh, yeah. Uh, native, we actually got we had to cancel uh, apparel. That one. Yeah. yeah, that one got scrapped. This <laughs> <laughs> is all the village people. <laughs> <laughs> Left that on the cutting room floor. Actually, it was a little. We've moved on. We've moved past this. Uh-huh. That was an editorial uh, oversight. <laughs> On top of that, you you also are entered into our big giveaway. And for people who buy these Insurgents NFTs, which again, huge announcement, you get entered into the yeah. giveaway where winners get the opportunity to subscribe to the show and become a paid intern. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. We it's can a go win. on a thousand person Zoom call. <laughs> and... <laughs> And pitch you, pitch you on subscribing to the show. <laughs> well, that's the okay. So that's the thing. I mean, you know, uh-huh. if when you go when you purchase NFTs, when you're buying crypto, when you're doing it, when you're engaging in any of this shit, none of it is real. You're not actually getting anything. You know, you're not actually getting anything of value. When you subscribe to the Insurgents podcast, though, you actually are receiving something. You actually are getting mm-hmm. something in return. You're getting more content. So you're getting That's way right. more than you would ever get if you purchased, you know, Dogecoin or if you invested with like one of these fake uh, scam crypto exchanges like FTX, you get nothing. You just give them your money and they literally just take it and say thank you and then it just goes away forever. But when you right. become a paid intern for the Insurgents podcast, you actually get something in return of value. And, you know, that's I think that's an important distinction. 
It absolutely is. But like on a serious note, like thanks people, thank you to people for subscribing. Uh, we were pushing for the. Uh, we, we wanted to see if there was interest for two a week because that was one of the pieces of feedback we kept getting from listeners that you wanted um, more content to justify the subscription. So for the past few weeks, we've been doing two episodes a week, and one of those episodes every week has been exclusive for subscribers. And uh, I mean, based on the feedback we've gotten, people seem to like it. Um, people have subscribed uh, to help keep that sustainable. Like, we really appreciate people subscribing to the show and supporting it. Um, if you can go to theinsurgents.substack.com, you can subscribe as little as five bucks a month, much cheaper than a Trump NFT, which I, we know you're on the fence about buying anyway. <laughs> uh, but this is, much, this is much cheaper. And like Rob said, you actually get something in return. Yeah. Not only do you get an extra episode every week, you get to become a paid intern yeah. of the insurgents. That can go on your resume, mm-hmm. you know, on your LinkedIn that's huge. Yeah. That's a huge opportunity. Yep. And we love and it's appreciate huge. all our paid interns. Not so much that Will Snackson guy. I don't know. He's I don't know if you're familiar with one of them with him. Not the one who's always in our replies. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's funny. Uh, you know. I Sometimes call him out. We're a little he's a little too familiar. Okay? Let's know your with know your lane, Will. Stay in your lane, sir. Is he is he bullying you? <laughs> One of my regular uh, cyber bulliers. That's why I'm doing this. I like this guy then. He's great. Damn it. Keep bullying Rob in the replies. (laughs) Um, In all seriousness, we love and appreciate all our paid interns. Thank you very much, everyone who subscribes (laughs) to the program. And even the the lowly non-subscriber free listeners we even okay let's not even go appreciate too hard you. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't if you can't subscribe that's that's okay but i'm just like trashing all our listeners yeah, for some reason. Like, why am i doing that's this okay if they can't this is um, not good this is not a good strategy um there is a way you can like donate a subscription to other people which is pretty cool i just saw that on substack recently so i've been including that button so if you want to you can do that and also subscribers are able to gift three subscriptions to. There's a lot of like cool bells and whistles on Substack that I like um, that other platforms don't have. It's it's pretty neat. But again, like can't thank you enough for subscribing. Like we've seen uh, a lot of positive feedback and reinforcement that doing two episodes a week is what you all wanted. So that's what we'd like to keep doing. We just We're kind of doing like a good cop bad cop thing. <laughs> I'm not gonna call f- <laughs> free listeners lowly. I can't. I can't bring myself to do that. You. <laughs> fucking pretentious canadian prick <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't know what came over the elitism there. emanating from quebec folks i can't i can't stand it <laughs> um who do we have coming on the show this week jordan we've got we've got brett Before ehrlich I alienate any more of our audience here yeah <laughs> we've got brett this. ehrlich from uh the young turks he's been on before uh good friend he's hilarious he's great it was a blast we got into obviously the trump nft stuff you know as we were recording if some of you saw some of you use twitter elon musk went on like a banning spree and wiped out a bunch of accounts of like prominent liberal and progressive commentators reporters uh content creators whatnot uh mostly all of them i think all of them have been pretty critical of him so we just talked about that and the people defending him and the people uh quote reporting on the twitter files we also open with like conspiracy talk for a little bit which is not which was not planned but fun because the jfk files came out yeah overall a really good conversation i had a blast yeah me too and let's get to that because it's getting late yeah and um 
It was a great conversation. Went pretty long, too. So let's get to our talk with Brett. Uh, He's going to be joining the program right after this. Yeah, well, listen. If you're a poli- if you're an abolitionist, you should you should want Bankman freed, freed. You should let him out. The the development that's been interesting over the past like day or two has been people looking at his political donations uh, after Bloomberg wrote a story that didn't name anybody else, but uh, alleged that he had a system of straw donors. So people started looking. Oh, who is donating? That's in his circle. That. Uh, might be one of these straw donors. Is it someone that wants to abolish ICE? Uh, I mean, he abolished ICE, dude. Now he's about to abolish prisons because he might be implicated in this straw donor scheme. (laughs) Yeah, Sean McKelvey. Sean McKelvey has like a, almost like a one-to-one parallel of maxing out to candidates that Sam Bankman-Fried did and also the total amount of donations that he gave was almost exactly what Sam Bankman-Fried donated to uh, some entity that uh sean had connections with data i'm not really Weird familiar with him well, data for say progress he, he abolished ice and then he moved on to bigger and better things yeah no he's out of, he got pushed out of data for progress yeah they 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 kicked him out there was like a coup yeah that was what that was happened funny. vote of no confidence because of his his ties to sbf and then uh, claims that he was kind of skewing polling and then vote betting in the predicted like political betting markets based on data for progress oh, polling. Wow, <laughs> that quite a fall. is so nerdy. Yeah. That is a great like HBO. Didn't want crimes. Yeah, it really wow. is the more one of the more boring scandals that we've seen yeah. over the past. It's year. funny though. Why didn't we get any FTX money? It seems like it was going everywhere. It, we're yeah, we're, we're big through. like supporters of the Democratic Party and the establishment. Why didn't we get any of that? We're I altruistic was some of their and FEC progressive. Reports today, and just also what's interesting, and I think Andrew Perez and I were kicking around an idea today, looking at some of these uh, very clearly shell uh, LLCs that a lot of SBF's money was going to, and. Some familiar names might pop in there as well because they are all signs based on their location, filing, and names and how nondescript they are and what their description uh, for their services say. There's some there's some funny business happening in, in those that no one, I don't think, has, has looked into yet. Some of our faves may be implicated. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> God, what a great back. tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that, Brett? What? Nancy Pelosi's daughter when the Epstein stuff was coming out. Was like I know everyone's going to be watching this, and some of our faves may be implicated, but like yeah. trying to dismiss the seriousness of basically like the Clintons being involved in the Epstein ring. I love the the specific use of the word fave, <laughs> like the nonchalant, relaxed nature of like, yeah. Let's have some of our faves over tonight for din. <laughs> it's amazing too because like faves. no one was really implicated. He just got assassinated and kind of quietly went away there was the Ghislaine Maxwell trial you'd think maybe of the some of the many powerful people that were heavily implicated in the Epstein trafficking ring maybe could have had some kind of consequences or there could have been some kind of 
reporting on that kind of stuff, but kind of went pretty quiet. It's kind very Jedi mindy. Yeah. It's very like guys, it's like parents. Yeah. Like parents, if they set this. a tone of you don't need to worry or ask questions, <laughs> kids will just instinctively be like, I guess there's nothing there. And everybody's like, well, I'm not, I'm just going to choose not to mention anything about it. That's very real in newsrooms, I think, in the very brief times I've been in, like, big newsrooms or talk to people who've worked in them. Just, like, this look you get. It's No one ever says it, but it really is like, uh, yeah, we're just going to move on. Everyone knows how they, how not to keep a job. Didn't and it's not have, like, like anyone ever has to say, like, like, don't don't report on the Clintons. It's just like a... Because mm. didn't he have, like, videos and a whole, like you know, secret safe in the old apartment that was raided by the FBI that presumably had, uh, you know, compromising material. And I'm, I'm sure a number of very important and powerful people just kind of odd that never really heard much about that. But do you think if you're at like this party in the, in the Epstein islands, do you think Epstein's going to be like, all right, it's 1130. Now I'm going to bring out the underage girls and let's all drink their blood. Like I don't. I mean, yeah, I kind of thought that's how it went. Yeah, I don't know. There's like I've been watching Party Down. If anyone hasn't seen Party Down, you should go watch it. It's like it's coming uh, back, right? Uh, yeah, but they're not not like with any of the main main people. But um, in it, there's a guy who tries to throw an orgy and no one does it. Like no, he's like, oh, no one believes that there's an orgy. It's hard to get the point where everyone just starts orgying. You know, he can't really yeah. cre- crystallize that moment. I just don't think that like you'll you'll have someone to your private island to have access to them. Sure, I just don't I don't foresee a situation where like so a Clinton, uh Gates and uh Trump walk into an island and now we're going to actually bring out the like child sex portion of the evening. I think oh, they ha- I those are was, separate parties. I thought it was like massage uh oriented like that's how they did it like oh hey here's this uh you know young girl who's going to give you a massage and it was like a deshaun watson situation where they just kind of like asked for more and i would imagine those were captured yeah i don't know i just i just when i there's plenty of like weird parties that happen that aren't explicitly like as sketchy as people lay them out to be the people who have access to those folks just use that to kind of get less important people to come around and do sketchy things for more direct ends. I think they had the robes and the masks, the eyes wide shut shit. I think they had all that stuff in that little, in that weird little temple thing on the Island. Um, I think the, the QAnon anonymous guys like went on the Island. I think, uh, that'll become a state before Puerto Rico. No, 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 no. Like, (laughs) After uh, after everything happened and like he got he I think he he uh, got arrested or something and it was vacant. I think they went on the island, uh, but I remember I think Julian telling me that that's just like plywood. Like there's nothing in that temple. It's just there and it's plywood. Now, uh, okay. I mean, you, you know what I mean. Playing it earlier. <laughs> now, I mean, now there's. I would nothing. imagine it probably just took place in his like big house on the island. That just that let building looks weird, but uh, he said it was just plywood. What a letdown! Yeah, that's, that's like what's uh, speaking, to think, man. Yeah. But speaking of things that we need to start asking questions about, Rob, this is like your Super Bowl today. Did you see what just happened? Obviously, yes. I know what you're talking about, but I'll let you. I'll let you uh, say it. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. 
what do you mean? The, the JFK the JFK documents just got released. Oh shit, I didn't realize. Wow. Ah. 13,000 documents just got released. Um most of them are stuck curious. together, am I right? Ow. Uh I I would imagine they took all the good parts out. Uh but we'll we'll would we'll never have happened under more. Trump. Would never have happened under Trump. He'd leave the good parts in. Trump would have uh he, Trump would have dodged the bullet. You know, I think I do I think I might have kind of a contrarian take about this, which is that you know, in the uh Oliver Stone just did a, a new JFK documentary um a couple a year or two ago that came out, which I saw. And there's a really interesting clip of uh Alan Dulles, um former former director of the CIA and also uh, a central figure of the Warren Commission that investigated JFK's death, even though he was should have been a suspect in JFK's death. Kind of weird that he was investigating it at the same time, but nonetheless, <laughs> there's an interesting clip from Alan Dulles from I think the the uh, like the early 70s when they talk about these decla- these classified documents, and he basically says like you know all the information is already out there. Uh, I don't think there's really anything in these classified documents that's really that interesting or is going to lead to any new revelations and. I actually kind of agree with that. I think, but I don't think the the story, the fictional story that the Warren Commission cooked up, is the real story. But I actually agree that all the information is already out there um, to figure out kind of what was going on. And I think in many ways these like declassified documents are maybe a little bit of a red herring that keeps people kind of guessing. It's like little these these little Easter eggs for this whole JFK researcher community. Um, and it allows it to kind of keep going for years and years and years. But I think I think all the information is already out there, regardless of whatever documents are getting uh, declassified. That anyone that's kind of spent time looking into it, even if you watch the Zapruder film, it's pretty clear. I think what's going on, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was James Franco going back in time and accidentally shooting Kennedy. I watched <laughs> exactly. that documentary series. Exactly. <laughs> I love. I, I think I told you guys. Uh, at the book depository in Dallas, which is also funny because like I'm, I'm I'm there a lot because my partner lives there, and then when other friends are also in town, like and we meet up with them, like that's the one thing they always want to see because that city really doesn't offer a lot other than <laughs> just the JFK site. So we took um, a couple friends there a few weeks ago, and we were looking at the plaque on the book depository, and uh, it's like it, and it was on the on the sixth floor, or whatever in this building that Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly uh, fired the shot that killed Kennedy. And the word allegedly, people have just, like, carved a box around it. It's, like, so deep, just, like, scored this huge groove into this, like, <laughs> like thick metal placard on the side of the building. He's just a patsy. He's uh-huh. the fall guy. Yeah. Um, Do you think there's... So I, I feel like when there's... When they on when someone's gonna read their documents, I hope that there's just like one little corner that's like Kennedy's dad did it, yeah. like that's it. <laughs> By the way, here's a photo of him doing it, shaking hands with Castro as it happened. <laughs> Anyways, that was it. And yes, all the Patsy stuff. Anyhow, so here's uh, the sequencing of his genome, and it's just that afterward. Well, there was Kennedy. even that let the story that came out a week or two ago about we have definitive proof that. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was an intelligence asset, and it's like you don't even need you don't even need to look at any of these new documents or new evidence. It's like he was he was from the Office of Naval Intelligence. <laughs> he quote unquote defected to the Soviet Union, 
was there for a couple of months and then he just waltzes right back into the United States with no repercussions. They're like, here's your passport again, sir. Welcome back to the country. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't know zero effort to, you know, punish him in any way or to do anything about the fact that he just defected to America's major enemy and then just comes right back. Yeah, that's fine. You know, What's and then he's, yeah, he becomes known as this pro Castro <laughs> guy while simultaneously sharing an office basically down the street from the office of naval intelligence with a bunch of Cuban expatriate anti-Castro guys. They're just sharing an office together. You know, him, the yeah. the Marxist-Leninist uh, Castro sympathizer, and all these uh, fascist uh, Gusano-Cuban guys. They're just all hanging out together, as one does. It's pretty clear well, that this gotta, guy was... You've got to save money on rent. Yeah, of course. You have a so, how interested in it... How interested in it are you guys? Like, if you found out who killed Kennedy... Or how much time have you collectively spent or will you spend knowing this is coming out, looking into the new documents and the new evidence? Like, what does it do to your overall, like, happiness level? <laughs> I'm not big on it, Rob. I probably won't Rob's look. Like I said, I'm guy than I Yeah, am. yeah. I mean, I probably won't look into the documents that much because, I, like, I think I've, I already have a pretty decent idea of what actually went on. But uh, yeah, it's not really about happiness. I just think it's an it's an interesting kind of like uh, inflection point in American history where, um, you know, it could have gone in one in a certain direction and then kind of veered off in an even more horrible direction than where it was already going. It's weird to talk about Kennedy as like as he was, of course, not this like saint or anything like that, as a perfect person. But I think you know, reading books like uh, the Jakarta Method or looking into some of the speeches that Kennedy gave about the Third World. And he definitely had a different idea about how to treat these emerging uh, anti-colonial movements in the third world and um, wanting to allow them space and to kind of grow and be partners with them rather than taking this heavy handed approach of overthrowing and invading and, you know, doing the coups and the invasions, which, of course, immediately escalated uh, as soon as he was uh, assassinated. So I just think it's an it's an interesting example of the ways that like as much as we talk about you know the the white house and the president of the united states and who has power in the u.s government you see that there's this power that you know they don't really have uh have the ability to to challenge all that much and he did try to challenge it and that's when so that's what you think happened the cia <laughs> killed kennedy because they wanted to coup south america uh, say, well, they know. wanted to they wanted to escalate in Vietnam. They wanted to escalate the Vietnam War. Kennedy was starting to talk about pulling out the advisors and the he wanted to get out of Vietnam. That's the story anyways. Wanted more of a detente with the Soviet Union. And um, yeah, you just see this explosion as soon as Kennedy's out of the picture of, yeah, the, the Vietnam immediately escalates, turns into this massive 10 uh, year quagmire, which was a huge gift to the weapons manufacturers and like it was just a a fucking bonanza for the military industrial complex and then of course they're going into indonesia they're going into latin america africa and all these other places uh, in the wake of this and uh yeah i don't think it was the cia really but i do think it was uh probably a, CIA, a team of, one of, of the CIA's. cuban expats a, a catching kennedy in a triangulation uh, firing p- position multiple shooters that put the final kill shot coming from the front uh, low angle trajectory which you can watch in the clip he's just like you know just smacks him in the head and it goes back back into the left hmm. back into the left that's the f- famous the famous saying yeah back mm-hmm. into the left uh 
yeah, those kinds of analyses really just indicate to me how far America has come politically. Only, the only person I really heard outside of this story talk about Kennedy was when I was in Pittsburgh recently for a little get together with some close friends called Netroots Nation. Oh, I was uh, there. We got an yeah, Jorby, Jorby was there. We were in. I was in an Uber with my boss from the Young Turks, and she and just talking to the Uber driver who was like. I love all that stuff that uh, that Trump's doing. I would never vote for a a Republican or for a Democrat ever. And, and my boss goes, "So which Democrat would you vote for? What was the last Democrat you would you'd vote for?" And uh, he goes, "Oh, Kennedy." It's like, "Why Kennedy?" Because he said about sacrifice. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy seems to be kind of into, uh, we're all in it together, fine. Not very Trump-like. He doesn't ask anyone to sacrifice, he doesn't sacrifice anything. But then he goes, also, he was Catholic, and he wouldn't put up with any of this abortion crap. <laughs> like, oh, and the Muslims. And it's like, yeah. got it, got it. I see what but, you're about. Yeah, but just, uh, just how warped and strangely ancient and ahistorical one has to be to say like yeah kennedy's my guy Rel- well, in, you know relative to today's political. it is amazing how kennedy's been folded into the whole like QAnon trump mythology he's such a central figure now you have these weird these weird people that coalesce around dallas like now once every 18 months or whatever because the prophecy date when the re- the return is going to happen is coming and it just doesn't happen <laughs> you know so crazy i may be kind you of into a- this shit but i'm not one of these people like let's not let's not get too crazy with this right you take a real true mystery the one real true mystery and then fold it into a bunch of stuff that like no we know that's all bullshit but yeah. kennedy who killed kennedy right there are some mysteries in the world uh trump got it stolen from him <laughs> The the conspiracy that I cling to, I'm not a huge JFK guy, but uh, the conspiracy that I really am convinced is true is the is Flight 93. Like, you think they, they shot, shot it down? down. For sure, got shot down. Yeah, it was just like the last time I was in LA, we were we were playing. I think I don't know what you were like tinkering around in the back, and we were sitting at, like uh, on the patio, uh, uh, your wife Audie and I, Brett, and. Um, mm-hmm. We were going around saying like what conspiracies we thought were real, and we looked at the timeline for Flight ninety three because I couldn't like re- really remember and like the, the amount of time between the planes hitting the towers and the White House and all other planes uh, being grounded was like it was like a half an hour or something, which would just like which is like an eternity if you're trying to like you know hyper scrutinize everything and. You wanted to scramble jets, and it did like a huge U-turn, uh, <laughs> like going like over Western Pennsylvania and swinging around back to DC, like to, like aiming right, basically right at DC. Um, I just that, that there's just there's no way that thing happened the way it did, and they made they built this like kind of patriotic story out of it. I don't know, like my so when I was in college. At Leland Stanford Junior University, there was like this uh, rivalry, Cal and Stanford, and the thing you win is the axe, and uh, the whoever has it, the other team tries to steal it from you, 
and all of that. And my buddy Mark was on tree protection services, which is the group that you have to like, um, like protect the tree. I promise this will get back to nine eleven. <laughs> you have to protect the tree, and it's like the most like jazz. This guy is like a bobsled gold medal push champion track star. This guy Mark and everyone else is like these jacked people that are like, yeah, I'm really passionate about saving this, this, uh, this, you know, whatever. And so the people on the cow side had equally passionate quasi psychos, like really proud of whatever organization they belong to. And there was this one guy who was particularly like involved in it that they knew. And he kind of had a reputation for doing stuff like, like I will go all out to protect this thing. And he would like go tackle people that came at the Cal bear or whatever and like pass them off to security. And Mark and this dude had like this intense interaction where the guy was essentially like, let's roll and do this. And he was the, and he ended up being the let's roll guy. Like that patriotic story is the let's roll guy. And my buddy Mark was just like, yeah, that checks out. Knowing that guy, he would go to the cockpit and do whatever it takes to save, you know, if he's fighting that hard for Oski, the Cal Bear, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll fight that hard for, uh, you know, against the terrorists. I don't think like I don't think it's beyond reason that, they, it, that they would shoot it down. No. Obviously, it's like it's like no, they would never they, they would never shoot down a civilian airliner. Well, of course they would. The U.S. government. Um, I guess the thing that makes me believe it is that. There's like calls from the people on Flight 93 with their family members at the time, and they knew that the other planes that had been hijacked had been crashed into things. So I think they had a basic idea of what was going on, that the plane was not going to be landing. So I guess I could see, given that, that it's not that unreasonable to think that they would be like, okay, well, fuck it. Let's try and just do something here. If you do want to get, that's really just barely scratching the surface. If you want to get into 9-11 theories, oh boy, I got... I got some material on that. Well, we know it was an inside job. Yeah, well. I I got a a music video for it. Music video for everyone (laughs) that he plays. I fucking love that. That music video is so funny. The Building 7 (laughs) one. Maybe we can save this for a 9-11 special the next time. We can do a 9-11 truth. My anniversary. Oh, yeah. Brett and his wife got married on (laughs) 9-11. Was that like a conscious decision? Was that like a meme? Like, it's like you when just, you're you sitting just... around going like, what what date should we enshrine in the history of this family that we'll never forget? Yeah. Someone goes like, August 7th. I'll be like, I have, I mean, that's a family name, but like, I'll be like August 19th. I'll be like, that made me feel nothing. And then we're like, September 11th. Yeah. <laughs> we had a reaction to it. So we said it. And uh, we kind of planned it and told the family, like, I think we're getting married on September 11th and then forgot about it. And then my now sister-in-law was like, are you guys still getting married next week? And we said, "Uh, yeah. She's like, yeah, because I have it off of work. So we just went to Vegas. (laughs) It turns out it was my grandparents' wedding anniversary, but I did not know that when I uh, when we we scheduled the chapel in Vegas. It's funny, too, because you could be with people and something kind of cool would happen that would make you feel happy or nostalgic and be like, you know, I haven't felt this way since September 11th. You're like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, my we- my wedding day, you know? One of the best days of my <laughs> life was September 11th. I was wasted. Not a care in the world. Oh, that so could be that's probably good out of context. <laughs> no, let's keep it in there. Yeah. Uh, we should probably introduce our guests, though. 
Returning, yeah. returning guest, Brett Ehrlich. Brett, you're back. What's up? I am so happy to be here. There's a lot of banter. Yeah, we bantered. I didn't know we were uh, recording for half of it. And then I was like, <laughs> I had a feeling we were. And then I just, I really turned on the charm at a certain point. You yep. noticed it. Oh, yeah. I heard it. Yeah. It's like a switch. Yep. You know, when you got it, when you got that star quality and your big yeah. break, you got to bring it. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh, Brad Ehrlich, and I work at the Young Turks, and I am eight and a half feet tall with uh, just the most generosity any human could muster. Wonderful. We're often saying this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, Last time we had you here, it was for the uh, Oscars slap. Mm. It was a big, big news story. Which I will talk now. about on December 26th at 9, 8 central on ABC for my 12th consecutive ABC's of the year where we talk about the highs and lows, the highlights and lowlights of the year that was me, Robin Roberts, who knows who else. I need to actually watch that this year. Do you? Yeah, I've got to support my bros. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I got you. I mean, like in the years that I've known you, I've never watched, but I like knew you did it and I always like forgot to watch. Um, this year I'm going to I'm going to be sure to watch. It's also like just funny that you're part of it. You're just it is so much strange. Than them. It's strange, but uh, yeah, when it goes from like, all right, we're going to talk to the person who just suffered one of the most tragic accidents ever to befall a human being randomly. We cried two seconds ago, and now Brett's going to joke about Pete Davidson's penis. <laughs> are you? Or wait, are you able to say what you talk about this year? Uh, basically, it's one of those shoots where you just sit down, they ask you questions for like three hours. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah there's a lot of different in. topics. We got, there's always something about the Royals, uh, but really everything else is, uh, we talk about politics, pop culture. What do we talk about? Kanye West, Pete Davidson, uh, uh, the, the Alex Jones trial, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. It's a lot of what happened. Basically, it's stuff that you're like, I hope they talk about that. We cover, and then also stuff you forgot happened that year comes back up, and you're you're glad we gave it a little moment in the sun. Yeah, nice. Um, cool, I'll check it out. Now, Brett, there's some big news again this week. Like you're, you're Every time you're on here, you're on here for a big news, news week. Uh, former President Donald Trump had a big announcement he was going to make this week, and he just launched, or he just announced it today, uh, which, you know, grabbed the headlines, captivated America. I think millions of people were tuning in for this big announcement, which was the launch of the new collector, collect, collectible, <laughs> like the old Trump killing it. NFTs. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm worked up. I'm so excited. I gotta, I gotta. I know. Come out. I know. You can pick some? one. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I am. Yeah, how could how could I turn down the opportunity for this highly exclusive, like one of one of two hundred thousand Donald Trump yes. digital trading cards? That's the amazing thing, though, right? It's not even an NFT. Like, it's not like there's just one thing that you can have like a fake ownership of through this like blockchain, you know, uh, receipt or whatever or or ledger. It's literally like you just you own it. You get the blockchain thing, but there's still like thousands of other of the same thing that other people also own it is so stupid when he so <laughs> this story seems to be broken down into a few beats a few dramatic moments in terms of how we all as americans and 
you know, just citizens of the planet experience this momentous occasion. The first was when he said, I have a huge announcement tomorrow. Now, you saw it. You guys <laughs> yeah. saw that, right? You yeah, saw that there was a so superhero, he said. When, yeah. when you heard there would be a huge announcement, when you saw that tweet, what were your speculations as to what that announcement might be? A VP candidate. Exactly yeah. same. I, I Yeah, I wasn't really thinking all that much about it. Um, I saw speculation, though, that like, oh, is he going to pull a Kirsten Cinema because his poll numbers are slipping and DeSantis is rising. He's going to announce an, as an independent or something. He's going to do an independent run, maybe, and put this 12D chess move on the on the GOP that'll force them to support him. Is it going to be a, yeah, a big VP candidate splashy announcement? I saw That was the speculation that I saw. Right. And that might still come. <laughs> and if that does come, it doesn't make sense for DeSantis to run. That's my favorite part about that speculation. At that point, it only ruins DeSantis's chances. <laughs> and in doing that, DeSantis could calculate everything else perfectly as he has. And originally, I thought all these poll numbers saying DeSantis was in the lead over Trump were all just psyops from the right. Because they were all like, they were all polls from like totally legitimate club for growth action surrogacy pack, right? says that, you know, Donald Trump is a stinky pants, but then it's like actual polling organizations. And so if you're DeSantis, you're just sitting there going like, I'm not going to make any sudden movements. I got months and months and no pending criminal investigations. Why would I ever get in there? Um, and and uh, if he does and he plays it just perfectly and then Trump's like, actually, no, I'm going to be an independent, it ruins DeSantis. It just splits the Republican vote and it's over. And that would be so funny. Um, but he did not. No, it was not that. Announced that. I did think it was a vice presidential candidate. And I was like, I hope it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Because that would indicate that Donald Trump really has given up on the idea that he is a fancy pants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is the guy who's like, I am going to have a golden house that I live in. That's beautiful, and I am nothing but the best. There's a guy who had a, uh, a airline that went under because he wanted so passionately to have a golden toilet that was too heavy, but it's like class, class, class all the way. He, you know, he's class to the person who doesn't know what classy actually is, but he still believes he's classy. To say Marjorie Taylor Greene is my running mate is to finally admit, like, I am nothing of the sort. That's what I wanted. But bear that in mind as he then reveals that a big announcement from a recently announced presidential candidacy, something he himself describes as a huge announcement, is actually the digital Trumpy bear. Uh, Good guy. I I really like that the prizes. I was looking at the prizes and the rules around them. Um, me too. Uh, the uh, I think you you texted me about it, Brett. The golf thing that was one of them. Uh, it says in the rules that you get to play golf with Trump for one hour. It's framed as a round of golf. You're not going to get through 18 holes in one hour. So like, what is he going to do? Like just kick you? I mean, I would imagine if anything happens, if the game's abruptly ended for somebody, it's going to be the winner, not him. But he's going to finish the game. So you're on like the sixth hole, like chipping onto the green. He's like, all right, buzzer goes off. Time's up. Get out of here. See ya. And he finishes the round. <laughs> I, I have a lot of logistical questions. Yeah. Bye-bye. 
but also the zoo the the price because you know like with contest rules you have to say the estimated price one of the prizes is a zoom call with trump one-on-one only one person wins it that's listed value zero dollars <laughs> the one of like two thousand uh group zoom call that's listed as priceless like <laughs> you can't put a price on no. being part of two thousand people on a zoom call listening to trump that i thought that was very a very nice touch the thing that got me was the dinner with Trump. It's like, you too can win a dinner. You can win a dinner with me, Donald Trump. <laughs> that would actually be fun, though. Right. But when you read what that prize is, it's actually you're one of 2,000 people in the room, the dinner with him. And oh. it does list the value of that at $75, which really gives you like... They're going to give you $75 worth of food and drink at that experience where if you're in a if there's a dinner with 2000 people at it, it is a $2,000 a plate donor dinner that you will also be at. I just think that's amazing. And you're just going to be someone in the corner at table 19. What is in the room with him entail? You're going to be in a ballroom or are you just going to be like at the facility and he'll be there for like five minutes as he walks by and leaves? I love it. But you don't have to actually enter. You don't have to buy a $99 photo of Trump uh, shooting lasers from his eyes in order to enter that sweepstakes giveaway. There's actually, if you go on the website, you just have to like... You have to pay for postage, but you can send a um, index card with your name and address on it, and you enter to win, and you can do that up to a hundred times. So, if the insurgents viewer li- or listeners have nothing else to do, I say enter to win. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. <laughs> Honestly, I I was I was looking at that today. That would be funny if like if you're listening to this and you have the time and want to do that. There are rules on their site. We should all flood that because uh, then I saw they'll also they'll send you then they'll send you an entry code for the giveaway. So then you have to go back to the site and enter that code. But like we should flood that with and get a bunch of codes. And if someone wins that dinner, like go in and record it. Like I I really want to know like what's going on in there. It'd be even funnier if one of us won the golf game. That would be fucking hilarious. You could actually hit him with a golf ball. By- <laughs> sorry my game's a little rusty <laughs> whack oh my god i'm just wondering about How that many... zoom call like what if you're on a 2000 person zoom call with trump like functionally what's the difference between that and just sitting there in the comfort of your own home and just watching like trump say some stuff on youtube like what real realistically like what is the difference between these two activities the only thing i could think of is there's no way that they activate your audio at any point, right? New. Their only thing I can think of is one time is is he might acknowledge that we have the winner of the digital Trumpy Bear sweepstakes giveaway here, wave, and they see your face for a second. That's it. How many people want, do you I think want are, that. you want that? Mm-hmm, I'm in. How many people do you think are going to buy the NFT? or digital trading card collection. Honestly, probably thousands and not just for not for the not for the JPEGs basically, but for the chance to win dinner with him. 
They are so bad. The art is so bad. <laughs> it's it's, it's very funny. It's very funny, but objectively not good. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if funny the, is what he was going for. Right. Do the people... Because like, a lot of the artwork, like the artistic styles, which are, let's face it, all AI generated. <laughs> like, every, I feel like Trump himself was going through... What was the name of the... Like, Pexar or whatever the... the uh, AI art generator was you send like a photo of your face and it spits out like artistic styles that everybody did last week. I feel <laughs> like he just did that because he's so damn bored and only is running for president to avoid certain like legal consequences of his actions. And he's like, I think we should sell this. And he put it in there. Like they're so, so atrociously bad. I just don't know if anyone, but like those artistic styles existed before when you saw like the Trump as Rocky imagery. And people, I don't think people were ironically like buying that artwork. They were into it. They see him that way. And that's just when you're like, oh my God, these yeah. people's votes matter as much as mine. Good God. <laughs> I mean, asking about, you know, the the actual the trading cards, whatever the fuck you want to call them, it does lead to sort of an interesting question though, which is, does Trump still have the sauce he seems, honestly, he seems very diminished. He seems kind of washed. He seems a little bit sauceless. Um, the midterms were a big a public spectacular failure for him. All the people that he was endorsing or a huge major- majority of them failed to win. It doesn't seem like he quite has the same ability to dominate the headlines and the news cycles and to um, do all the Trumpy things that made him kind of rise above everyone else in 2015, 2016. What do you two think? Is is he done? Like, is he going to be for a while? I mean, in early in early uh, early in Biden's administration, when they didn't seem like they were going to really accomplish anything at all, it seemed very very likely that not only would he come back and be the nominee in twenty four, but had a good good chance of winning. But now I'm starting to kind of second guess that. I don't know if he's got the juice or the sauce. What do you two think? I don't. He he seems like he's lost it. Like his his announcement speech was so low energy. Like uh, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like he's got the same. Sleepy like, Don. Yeah, I'm, honestly though, like he doesn't seem like he has the same drive or passion or enthusiasm <laughs> like he did, when, even when he was president. But certainly in 2015, 2016, yeah, he's like, I'm mostly just off. doing this to not go to jail now. That's my main. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's honestly the reason I'm doing like. this. He's yeah. A, yeah, and and his first act as a official candidate is to sell stuff that's ridiculous. <laughs> is to do like. We didn't have enough budget to get the my pillow commercial producer. So we're going to just get the ones who do the like collect all these coins. Well, that's what I was saying. That was my producer. first thought when I watched this video today of Trump and the the NFT collection was I felt like one of those nights when you fall asleep in front of the TV and you wake up at 3:47 with the weird like infomercial programming block advertising all kinds of weird products and spray on hair and whatever that's what it felt it was that level of quality it was almost like tim and eric like level how ridiculous the ridiculousness of it there's a lot of elements that go into analyzing the chances of someone winning an election that's two years away right and one is general generally speaking specifically in the republican party over the last however many years the uh, the leader of those have gone have been like Herman Cain was leading 
the polls for the Republican primary in 2000, whatever it is, 12 or something, right? That was a reality of the situation. Mike Gravel, the Democratic side, was like very high on in the polls for a while. Um, you know, Rick Santorum lasted a very long time. There is some stuff we look back on and are like, oh my God, how did that guy have a chance? And then the person, somebody emerges, right? The difference, though, but with Trump this time versus last time is everybody had a prevailing sentiment about what politicians were at large. And no outsider had really showed up and just completely outdone them in the television medium the way Trump did in those initial debates. And so there was a freshness to it. There was something different. The, the stale thing out there was politicians. The new thing out there was Trump. Now, I, I'm of the belief that without COVID, stuff never got that bad. Stuff would never have gotten bad enough for generic white people for Trump to lose to Biden yeah. or Bernie or anyone. Yeah, I But agree then that you. happened. People are going to forget that that's why Trump lost. People are going to think to themselves, they're going to forget that there was a giant recession as a result of a pandemic that was to a certain extent his fault and a certain extent not at all his fault it just happened on his watch and of course that person's gonna take a huge hit people are just gonna know that they remember trump losing and for a while you've got that thing that a lot of uh, political parties do which is like i want to have someone who doesn't have that much of a history that's my great hope and see if I can go long enough without some kind of history emerging around that guy or having that guy do a huge enough gaffe where he's going to make it through the campaign cycle and win at least the primary and hopefully the election. And that's what they have with DeSantis. So the Republican establishment is actually, as things are uh, panning out, especially with their ability to kind of create a narrative, which they're way better at than Democrats, and they're already having people trot it out, which is, we want Trump's policies, but not loser Donald. People who've said that on air are Mike Pence, sure, who's going to run. Um, and that'll be fun, but he'll lose. They're uh, Laura Ingram, who said it on air, literally, we want Trump's policies, but no Trump. And even Lauren Boebert, who on local Colorado news said... I'm never going to abandon Donald Trump. But, you know, Ron DeSantis is America's mayor. Like, direct quote. Ron DeSantis, he's America's mayor, and he's got the same policies. They're already trying that. People who have seen the negative side of being in Trump's orbit, people like Lauren Boebert, who almost lost in Ruby Red Rifle, Colorado, are like, uh, even I'm hedging my bets, and I'm a psychopath. I think that they're going to push really hard. But the one, to answer your question specifically, like, who knows? Maybe he's he's just standing next to Ron DeSantis. He's going to be better. And Ron DeSantis, as much experience as he has as a as a jag-off, and uh, what is he like? Was he jag or some kind of, like, military cop? He's like a war crime and, lawyer. Yeah, so he's he's a, he's that guy. He He's done, you know... TV, but he is like a real big wiener. He's a real yeah. weenie. Talk about not having it, sauce. He doesn't have any sauce. People just pretend he has sauce, but he hasn't had to show it. Yeah. 
And similarly, the last batch in 2016 of those Republican um, establishment politicians never had to prove sauce outside of like the the weak sauce environment of a political debate before. And Trump brought it and they did it. And maybe he'll be able to outshine them again. But that really is his only hope in all of this. And not to be discounted is the mainstream media really kind of preferring to have Trump in the conversation over not having Trump in the conversation. So you'll see a lot of the analysis, I think, unexpectedly from the CNNs and the MSNBCs looking to be like, "Mm, DeSantis didn't really have it today, did he? And feed that everywhere they still can have influence. Yeah, if I had to bet, I don't think Trump wins the nomination. And uh, you guys both know I'm a very successful better these days. Yeah. <laughs> I've been did you hit that evidence. parlay? Yeah. Did you hit that eleven hundred dollar yeah. ten bet parlay? It was only a four way parlay. Ten dollar ten dollar bet. Ten dollar yeah, bet. Hit for, it hit for eleven hundred. I can't I can't believe it. Oh it did hit. Uh, you I thought you were like yeah. got my fingers crossed. You no, sent me those Lakers, where Clippers, it's like the, or the Lakers um Lakers Celtics, Celtics game. Yeah, that one hit. Way to go, dude. Jordan's sending me Thank this you. stuff and I'm just like, it's so enticing. And I'm just like, really the fucking last thing i need right now is to develop a gambling problem this is the this is not what i need right now you gotta not send me this stuff um, uh one thing Jesus. i do want to acknowledge and i realize it like really specifically dates this episode uh beyond the trump nft stuff is like right now on twitter we're recording this on thursday night it's 8 p.m eastern there is like a wave of suspensions yeah, of like this. liberal and progressive are you guys watching this yeah. happen it's like every time i refresh some new like liberal account just got suspended like donnie sullivan from cnn i think it started with aaron rupar and then donnie sullivan matt matt bender ryan mack uh and it seems like everyone who uh tweeted about the elon jet tracker account getting suspended like people who were like really were following that and posting about it a lot they are now they are now suspended and like it just keeps going uh, good to know that I wasn't the only one sitting here and all talking while simultaneously scrolling Twitter. That's good. It was refreshing being like, am I, am I next? Oh, no. I am um, sorry. I, I, I respected you guys enough to pay attention <laughs> to what the hell we were talking about. My bad. I close all I my I don't windows. respect myself or others, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I am seeing that, though. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty brazen. He's just going after people that are reporting on him now. Yes, Drew Harwell at The Post, who has been pretty critical over the past couple of days. I just want to take a second to say, we here at The Insurgents, and I think I speak on behalf of all of our guests that we've ever had, uh, including Matt Bender, including and, Matt Bender all, yeah. and our listeners, and I think we're all in agreement, Tesla cars are the best like yep. most coolest and safest really cool. cars yeah. on the road i think uh, we are 100 spaceship behind the vision i love them uh they're the best please don't suspend us yeah <laughs> bring it musky i degaff brosefino um i don't care it's hard with it. i'll fly in the face of danger and when i fly there i don't care if someone reports my flight data you know what's crazy i was just told on a, uh, a call-in show, The Lever to the other night, by Matt Taibbi, that Elon deeply cares about censorship. I can't oh. believe. Matt Taibbi. Can we talk about Matt Taibbi saying, like, you know what's funny? I do. Did you listen to my interview with him? Not yet. I didn't see. I was, because I, I spoke to you about this, Jordan. It's like, I know we were both people that he got, he at got one point were definitely, were definitely uh, influenced by Taibbi. Was it because of a fan of his 
his writing, yeah. his journalism, his commentary. It's very bizarre to see the the trajectory that he's been on over the last 18 months or so until the point that he's like talking to Ben Shapiro, talking about unironically saying like conservatives are getting better at comedy and it's making the left nervous. And it's like, Matt, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about, dude? I don't know. And he cites, it's very he cites Matt Walsh's anti-trans yeah. film. Like, that's what's funny. Like, what's funny that's about that? That's the really that? funny, yeah. What the Nothing's hell? less funny than telling people that stuff's actually, when you think about it, not funny. <laughs> Like, that's just not a good experience. What's hilarious is Matt Taibbi's face when he's telling you what's not funny. Guys. <laughs> like, as it's melting off the bone. Guys. As he looks like fucking, um, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio when he's trying to pull his <laughs> saggy skin back. Men in black. Guys, nice. I'm cool. No, you are a sludge troll, Matt Taibbi. What? He is not funny. Like, these people who used to be fine, but he's such a pick-me girl, it's disgusting. Yep. Oh, everyone, he's one of those, he's just another stan. So stupid. Like, what's so frustrating is, like, my position on Twitter in general is, like, it's it was fucking Jack's company, right? And bef- And they fought over whose company it was. And when it's your company, you can do stuff with it because it's a company. And everyone who's saying that that Elon Musk saved this all of discourse in America and is blindly pretending that he's not doing the exact same thing that Jack did, just with a different set of like what he thinks is right. Both of whom are doing what's best for them specifically, both with different levels of experience running this type of company. I mean, running social media is not rocket science, and that's why Elon Musk sucks at it. Yeah, can you believe this explosive story that in the wake of January 6th, a bunch of executives at Twitter and lawyers whose job it is to figure this out had conversations about what to do and weren't really sure and kind of ended up figuring something out. It's like, yeah, I can believe that. Who, who, what is that? What new is what new information is being expressed here? Fucking bizarre. What did he get mad at you about, uh, Jordan? So I like we went into that conversation, um, Sirota, me, and a couple of other other writers and editors. Um, we had a meeting beforehand to basically recognize like this is probably not going to be the most well-received conversation we have on this show and like we want to make sure we're not just being like everything about this and your role in it is great so like we want to lay out look look it is interesting to get a look at how they handle these things um it's definitely like of interest it's not like the biggest story um, which some people, I guess we'll get into that in a bit, but some people thought it was like, just, uh, it, this is the biggest story since the Pentagon Papers. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we were asking him like questions that weren't just softballs. So I was going to be that guy. Like I was going to be the person who asked the tough questions and David kind of like moderated and just set him up basically being like, all right, what's in this? What'd you find? What's interesting? And then I would come in with like, you know, the good cop, bad cop. I would come in with the bad cop questions so i said like pretty early on so a lot of people are have been disappointed with your role in this um and your uh you know evolution over time because you could call it a de-evolution i didn't say that specifically basically being like how kind of like your involvement and how you approach these things over time has changed and he initially took issue with that he's like what what issues are they having and it's like it would have been a distraction but like explicitly like you know things like praising the walsh film uh, but I was just like, I'll let them speak for themselves and just trying to keep them on the issue. So I said, 
and I pointed out in his book, Hate Inc., he talked about the way some journalists are handpicked to be the recipient of leaks because the people who leak these documents to them know they will be they will, it will result in more flattering coverage. And he was like, whoa, 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 what did I say in Hate Inc.? And then tried to like draw a distinction between his examples of that in the book and what he was doing. And I said like a couple like questions like, how do you respond to criticism that you're ultimately doing PR for Musk? Which is something that he's not new to hearing. People have been saying it for like a week and a half now. Um, but I just wanted to get him like on the record to talk about it. But also I wanted to know, did he approach Twitter for these documents or did they reach out to him? And he, he like initially dodged that question. And then later in the interview, while saying something else, he said, and that's why I was picked for this story. So he admitted later on tacitly that they reached out to him for this story. And I think that's of interest. And he really took issues. Like, I don't care who gives me these. I don't care what Musk's motives are. And I think that was another thing I really wanted to hit was the motives thing. Uh, because it's very clear, like, why they picked these things. Like, of what interest is the Hunter Biden laptop story? Really, nationally, beyond just that was, like we've talked about in previous previous episodes, that was supposed to be Republicans' October surprise. And I think Twitter saw that it was a little confusing on how they'd handle it, how they handled it or or how they would handle it. And ultimately what they did, they pro- maybe they didn't handle it the best way. I think that's a debate worth having. But it's not like the biggest story. It's not the like it's not this huge groundbreaking story. And the examples of, quote, suppression on the platform that they used came at the behest of the campaign, not somebody in power at the time, not the government at the time. And. The links, when people looked up the links in the Internet Archive for what they were, it was it was nudes. So it's like, is this really that big of a deal? They don't want they don't want Biden's son's nudes on Twitter. Like that seems like a decently reasonable ask. Whether or not you think they should have complied is, I guess, subjective, probably along partisan lines. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. And he, he was he was not thrilled with uh, those questions and. Uh, claimed that even discussing Musk's motives and all of this were, was a propagandist distraction and tried to draw parallels to attacks on Edward Snowden as the leaker to distract from what was in those documents. And that's totally different. Elon, or, uh, Elon Musk is the second richest guy on the planet and owns this platform. And we're now seeing will suspend people based on viewpoint. Very clear. I mean, we did, we knew that was going to happen regardless, and it has happened. But now, right now, as we're recording this, you know, multiple people have been suspended for either being critical of Musk or covering the uh, the, the the jet tracker accounts suspension and stuff that purportedly happened to his his kid last night in L.A. They're being suspended, but I, 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 I it's it's totally different than Edward Snowden, who was like a rank and file Booz Allen Hamilton staffer who saw what was happening and leaked it to reporters a, a, a few different reporters who could then go through the material and report that out you know he he was a he didn't have like a a, a motive to shape how uh booz allen like a company that he controlled operated or the perception of booz allen hamilton or the nsa you know he, he was worried about um uh people's civil liberties being uh, affected this is Musk trying to frame the previous administration as or the previous ownership of Twitter and leadership of Twitter as being fueled by partisan uh, motives. And as we're seeing right now, as we record this and over the past few weeks, he, too, is doing the same thing, just like what Brett said, 
just with a different political bent. Yeah, it's it's so transparent that what Monk, Musk is essentially trying to do is just he he got basically suckered into. All right, the whole thing is nerd prom, right? When they talk about the the White House correspondence dinner, it's nerd prom, and that that feeling that the theme behind that is exactly freaking Matt Taibbi and these inside the beltway douchebags that are absolutely trying to be part of an in cool club. And the in cool club for a very long time was just Hollywood and was just politicians that are currently have power and you want to be around it. And there's tons of people who gravitate toward that. They're trying to create a new one, but the new one is not about coolness. It really is about nerds trying to be cool and not in a good way. It's like people who are, who, you know, I'm, I've been a nerd for a very long time and you have, there's nerds who are like embracing their nerdiness and there's nerds who are so mad they've been called nerd that their entire life becomes about turning the jocks and the cool people into like losers and ruining their lives. And when you do stuff like that, you absolutely positively lose the moral high ground because you're no longer seeking what's right. You're seeking revenge. And that's what Matt Taibbi's doing. He's on the outs. No offense, everybody. We got a substack, so he like needs the gig, bro. That's what it is. He needs the gig, bro, and he really wants to be part of this new thing. And it's him and Barry Weiss who did the original, like, intellectual dark web story licking, like, freaking Dave Rubin's yeah, balls. Barry Weiss who cares so much about freedom of speech and expression that she's, she spent her college years trying to censor, uh, you know, Palestinian activists and her, her pro-Palestinian uh, professors. And it's so transparent and it's so stupid. And anyone who gives you shit for pointing out the fact that this might be a PR play for uh, Elon Musk is gaslighting you and is gaslighting everybody. Come on, bro. As Matt Taibbi, and then as you say, admitted to you, he was sought out because he's pick me, because he's vengeful. Because he'll write something like that. This guy thinks he's a he's a, a funny bro. Like, he does a show with Katie Halper. Who is anyone trying to have a fucking conversation with her? It's impossible. She's a psychopath. I'm sorry. But, like, I've been in a room with Katie Halper. I'm like, who the fuck is this person? There's no... There's, she's just got a fucking screw loose. I'm not saying she's bad at any analysis. I'm saying, like, bro, if you want to be around the funny people, the ones who have, like, that that part of their personality that can sense what's what humans do and what humans don't do and what's funny and what's not, you're not around that. You're not. Um, but, yeah, there's more. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I think... Um I, you, I think you two spoke on it quite a lot. I mean, I, I think it's an example, both Taibbi and Greenwald, and there are many other examples of this, are what happens when your your entire ideology seems to be like, liberal's bad. And your, your analysis is not really going any further than that. And I agree with a lot of that analysis. I've complained many times uh, here and on Twitter and Twitch and everywhere else I can uh, about, you know, ineffectual liberals and the problems that they have. And 
I think maybe if you look into Twitter, there's or big tech in general, there's a story there about the crossover between the liberal establishment and these social media companies. Maybe there's a story there about the crossover between the intelligence community and these social media companies. But like, it just doesn't seem like that's the story that Matt Taibbi is interested in pursuing here. It seems like what he's really doing is just engaging in this kind of like PR campaign for Musk, although I don't know, be accused of being one of these liberal bots now using this kind of language. It doesn't seem like he's actually grasping at any of the, maybe the real threads that you could take a look at when it comes to Twitter or big tech or what it was doing. It's also the idea, like, look at this crossover between, you know, the Democratic Party and the these social media companies. And then with, when your natural reaction to that is like, well, then it must mean that, like, more conservatives should be involved or can, there's conservative censorship happening. I mean, you've just fucking lost the plot. I mean, that's not... Uh, that I don't think it should be anyone's reasonable conclusion about tugging at any of these threads. So even though I think there might be there might be somewhere buried in there an actual story or something that might be interesting to look at, um, I don't think that's what Taibi is doing. And it's just it sucks to see uh, people that you used to kind of admire uh, sink to these depths. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, let me. Yeah, like Silicon Valley is is mostly neo-libs and part like libertarian crypto bros. That's that's Silicon Valley. So there, there's already a, they're denying the a huge number of people that are already on their stupid side. Um, and that's why. And, and the, yeah, the interesting story is about people with a certain ideology overseeing a um, a a social media company that is widely perceived to be like the place for public the public square. Right. And. That's why progressivism needs to to win out there because progressivism, at least by my definition of it, is just ground rules. It's just setting ground rules so that people don't get taken advantage of and don't get don't lose their rights. So if we're going to have an, a, a pure analysis of what went down, we're not going to get it from Matt Taibbi because he's very obviously vengeful right now and like a total dork bag who really wants to dick ride Musk and just wants people to love him again. That, that guy's never going to be able to pull himself out of out of his own ass, no matter how far he pulls at the Edgar skin suit that's covering the cockroach. Like he's he's gone so far in that direction. What we do, what what we can't have is a conversation about what it what a social media company should have to do. But the fact is, if you're criticizing the way that the FBI approaches and tries to intimidate people, you better come correct with some some evidence. And I'll listen to that all day about them trying to intimidate you into doing into a, p- supporting a political party one way or another. And that we should use the court system to adjudicate various oversteps from those branches of government. That totally sounds reasonable, and and we should do that. But at the end of the day, we really do need to focus on, like, let's just... that that Elon Musk is doing the exact same crap that he uh, criticized uh, Jack Dorsey for doing but specifically as it pertains to advertisers, because these are companies. And as long as it is a company, I hate to break it to anyone who's trying to break the mold of being a giant media company. Unless you have a purely subscription model, you're always going to have in the back of your mind what is corporate America 
gonna go along with and there's different organizations with different relationships to major people that do the deals with the advertisers and that will actually give you more freedom so i think that like tyt has way more freedom than youtube when dealing with like what's allowed on their platform and just because you know we're smaller and and uh youtube is much bigger we do the stories that we cover. Some get monetized, some don't. Like, we're going to cover the like weird stories that no one's going to have a problem monetizing. And we're going to cover stuff that's like, this is a body cam thing. They're not going to monetize it. We don't give a fuck. We're going to actually do the story, and it's fine. We get to be outside of that. But Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, ABC, NBC, CBS, they're all giant media companies that have... They're publicly traded. They have giant budgets they're international there's always going to be the counterweight of the advertiser saying you can't do that and unless elon musk is going to throw those fools to the curb we already have evidence that he's bending the knee to them dude with all the stuff he did as soon as he got in there and to deny that is just matt taibbi being a dumbass Um, well yeah i i i yeah, and I agree. Cooked his ass. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate, but he's dead now. Brett just wiped him off the planet. Uh, I think we're we're good on time, so and also dumb. I've got a couple bets in this game that I really want to get to watching. I want to see if old Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, can can keep this progress going. I was just trying to think of like a pun I could do in his name, and the only thing I could come up with was more like Matt Taibbi gone, sir, because I don't. Oh shit! Think that. Yeah. Ta Taibi. Ta Taibi. Wow. We're really bringing the knives out over here. Yeah. (laughs) I just tore him a new Matt Taibi hole. Jesus. Wow. There we go. Thanks for joining us, Brett. It was was great to talk to you. Where can people find you? Thank you. Sorry I got mad. Your parents on ABC and all that fun stuff. Uh, find me on ABC, uh, which is, uh, at, uh, this, uh, okay, I got it. December 26th at nine, uh, eight central on ABC. I'll be in the year end wrap up where I will talk about much more lighthearted stuff than this. Um, and then also, um, what else do we got? Find me on, um, youtube.com i guess watch young turk stuff i'm the director of programming there and there's a bunch of stuff you can go check out please do and happy half hour wednesdays at 5 30 p.m pacific 8 30 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash tyt thanks brett thank you Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Canon our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>